Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches and learn more about their business and business knowledge as a whole. I'm your host, Ryan Carson, and today we have Leah and Ruben. Leah, Ruben, how's it going, guys? Hey, how you doing? Hey. Yeah, doing well. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and dive um, right into this. So where exactly are you guys located and uh, what's the name of your facility? So we're located in Newmarket, Ontario, okay. um, just north of Toronto, um, for everyone in the U.S. Uh, the name of our facility is Blood Sweat Train. Okay. Blood Sweat Train. I love it. Yeah, a little intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little intense. So what made you guys come up with that name? I mean, I, I kind of know what it's from, but what made you decide on that? Yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, Lee and I had, had, had dreamed of opening this facility for a while, and people always ask about the name. And um, it, it is, it's, it's catchy. It's why we like it, but it is quite intense. Yeah. Um, which is really, really ironic because um, we've got such a large variety of, of clients. We work with a lot of, um, they're going to hate me for saying this, but we work with a lot of older clients as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, we just found that it's, it's so fun to watch them be a part of something young and, and full of energy and something that's just got a, a, a little something to it. So we found that uh, people actually really resonated with the, with the name and we held on to it. Okay, awesome. I love it. So yeah, I, I would imagine. So even though it, the name is kind of like people are kind of like, ah, eh, you know, it it's enough to where they ask about it, it seems like, right? Like, so what yeah. does the name mean? And it actually gives you, you know, it gives you a better opportunity to kind of explain what you guys are about in your services. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So who came up with the name? That would actually be one of our clients, kind of, indirectly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had, uh, when we were opening the gym, obviously, we saw a couple of people that we were, we were in touch with, and um, he actually ended up bringing up, he's like, you know, what makes you feel like blood, sweat, and tears? Like, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into the training that I do with you guys. And yeah. then it was actually with Ruben, they kind of just together were like, what about blood, sweat, train? Because we were trying to figure out yeah. what would just kind of represent what we stood for. Right. Um, Another thing is we like to think of, of all our clients as like athletes, right? We do obviously train people that uh, do sports specific training and would be considered mm-hmm. like the quote unquote athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we make all our clients feel that way. So with that, that name, that's a little more intense. Um, it makes them feel like, you know what, but I am an athlete regardless, you know, being a human and doing like any kind of movement, you are still considered right. an athlete. You can train um, with the motivation and the, the discipline like an athlete would train as. Yeah. you know what I mean so yeah I love that so that's kind of where it came from yeah yeah so how long ago did you guys open up we actually today hit the the two-year marks so we're still pretty pretty new to oh, the scene but congrats. uh yeah very exciting yeah so two year two years in so obviously like you opened you weren't open very long before COVID hit right like what six months if that yeah we had so we we opened up we had a great rest of 2019, and then kind of in January, we already started hearing about something, this bug, maybe it was a virus, started hearing about a little something, and then uh, things came to a halt pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, and so looking looking now, like, 
how have you guys recovered from that? I mean, I know that there's ongoing restrictions right where you're at, or has that all been lifted now? Yeah, no. So we're still, uh, I'd say we're still quite in the midst of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Where I think we're going to be uh, experiencing some even vaccine passports start to roll out within the next period of time. So I think we're constantly jumping through through hoops and jumping over hurdles. And mm-hmm. I think everyone in the industry is still trying to navigate. Um, it's so hard when you make an original business plan right? Um, to take certain things into consideration and go, okay, I'm going to plan for this. I'm going to plan for this. And um, COVID-19 was definitely not in our business plan. Yeah. Um, and, and with that said, we, we don't, uh, we don't know what the end looks like. So we don't really know where we're going. We're just trying to um, trying to pivot as much as we can and, and, and make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and that's about all you can do. And I think, you know, having some good, you know, solid strategies in place and, you know, are you guys doing some online training right now or like coaching? So, yeah, so we're a little funky with the online training. Um, I think not, not to, be super uh, opinionated on it. Well, we do have blood yeah. sweat training. It's a little bit different. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're not a membership-based gym. So we're strictly private. So we do personal training, some semi-private, and then we really work with athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really big on um, not just prescribing the exercise, but really focusing on on how to do the exercise. Right. Um, so really putting an emphasis on, on, on teaching and coaching and guiding. And, and our training tends to be very um, hand-on and educational, things like that. And mm-hmm. we really struggled um, trying to portray that service or the way that we provide that service via an online platform. We found that really difficult. So we, um, we had some opportunities for people to join us on live uh, classes and things like that, just to get their body moving a little bit. Yeah. We chose to stay away from the online scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I get that. And, you know, we've dealt you know, with some other gym owners too that have been in the same situation. And one thing to consider now, this is, and this is just, you know, coming from someone that's had a gym for a while and I've dealt with all that too. So the fact that you guys have already had to pivot a little bit, already well actually a lot right like let's not not (laughs) it's been a big pivot um it may be something to consider just to offer you know a coaching service and would it be perfect and fit your business model completely no but also you know it can still be a good source of revenue and if not a lot of people are doing it around there you know it can and i'm not talking about like the zoom classes right i'm talking about programming coaching so that's that's been a huge uh source of revenue for a lot of our um you know, gym owners we talked to on here, and there's been some that have even, you know, closed their facility down to do that, which yeah. I don't think that's something you guys would want to do, but the revenue potential <laughs> is crazy though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's the great thing about, uh, like, we love the industry we're in. There's so many ideas and so many different ways to go about oh, things. Yeah. And yeah. it really seems that, um, despite for a little while there, I think everyone was concerned of what's going to happen to the fitness industry. It looks like a lot of the smaller uh, private facilities, the boutique gyms have really found a way to carry on and and keep Mm -hmm. pushing and which is really, really great to see. Yeah. So what are you guys doing right now to get, um, well, first off, let's, let's talk about the services you offer. So um, let's see, you offer personal training, um, semi-private. And is Mm -hmm. that it? Do you do any group? whatsoever so we yeah so we have done um some like i mean 
back before COVID, we did have kind of like an open uh, group class gym, I guess you could say kind of scene going on for a while. Yeah. Um, but we found like another way, I guess we've like quote unquote pivoted um, is to make it a little more of like a semi group but more of a private group kind of training style. Um, with that being said, we also have a lot of like younger athletes that are in like organized team sports where yeah. you even look at the kids nowadays, right? Like they're not out and about able to see their friends or be very active at all. So we found that that side of our business has really grown just because we are really looking to keep all younger athletes as active as possible, sports specific to whatever they're looking to train, but just active to start with. So um, we do do a lot of sports specific team-based training as well, but it's all private. So all by appointment only, we can track who's coming into the facility because right now that's honestly the, the, the biggest thing that we've been told to do based on yeah. our regulations here. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So with as far as like getting new people in the door, um, what is your guys biggest strategy for that right now? Uh, and to, so I think everyone in the in the fitness industry, in the gym space knows that word of mouth um, mm -hmm. is and always has been one of the number one ways to get people in the door. Yeah. Um, but with, with that said, with the world of technology and social media and learning how to operate, um, Google and having a really well-structured website, we are finding that people in the community are able to um, search for personal training, search for private facilities, and they're able to find us fortunately online, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, um, any of those other platforms. And they're starting to reach out to us via those platforms, mm -hmm. which has been really, really great. Yeah. Okay. So, and just to add to that, I think honestly, just using like as a newer business, we've been really utilizing like Google ads. Like that has been a really great way um, yeah. to help just, you know, get our name out there. But um, overall social media has been a really big factor. Like we've seen our following grow. We've been able to really even just like be able to show what we do here and how it's different. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of business owners don't realize that just being able to show what you're doing in the space. So people feel confident to reach out to you because they, they feel like they trust you and they're getting to know you before even entering the gym. So yeah. especially nowadays with the COVID and all that, like being able to create that environment without people being here yet, that's what we've been utilizing a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right on that. Like you have to be able to show that you're different. Otherwise, what's going to happen is people are going to compare you, you know, something just based strictly on price. Mm -hmm. um, like your average person, they, don't, they really don't know a lot of the difference between like a private facility and maybe an open gym facility. So they might be like, well, why are they so much more expensive or, or this and that? So being able to show, you know, more value instead of, you know, someone trying to compare you on pricing. That's the big thing is you want them to compare. You, know, you can't it can't be apples to apples because you're not the same you know, you're completely different. And if you can get, you know, them to think apples to oranges, like that's when you start winning and getting, you know, some of the leads that you're probably getting right now from that. Yeah. I think that's a, a really, really good point, Ryan, is we're a big advocate and, and even, you know, biased now because we have our own facility, but even prior to, um, owning and running blood sweat train we were always a fan of the smaller private training facilities because we understood that the individuals in those locations um had you know a different passion and a different dedication i'm not saying that in corporate gyms that you don't have that not at all um it's they've got a little bit more of the 
hamster on a wheel, if, if, if you know what I mean. But, um, you know, like Lee and I were really, really fortunate. We, we started in a corporate space. We then quickly realized, hey, you know, we want to branch out and, and enter a little bit more of a career-oriented setting. Um, and that's what I think we get a lot of our clients to understand. And they slowly start to understand it as they come into our facility. They go, hey, listen, this is really there are a lot of career oriented, like-minded individuals in these private settings, as opposed to some other um, training options out there. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it does. It does. Yeah. And so that basically the people, when they come in, they see people in there, they know, quote, unquote, unquote, the people are kind of a big deal, right? Like (laughs) people that, um, you know, it, they, they have careers. And obviously if someone like that trains here, then it must be okay. Yeah. Kind of sounds like what you're, yeah. Okay. Got it. So like now square footage wise, um, what's your, what's like the uh, facility square footage? So we're not a very, very large gym. We're about 8,000 square feet. Okay. That's, that's uh, more than industry average. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it works out really well. We've got a, a nice turf strip that divides the gym into about say 60, 40%. Yeah. So m- most of the gym ends up focusing on, um, on the personal training. Uh, and then in the evenings, that other 40%, the other side of the turf flips into that team training space. So we're really fortunate. We work with a lot of um, sports teams, um, different sports, soccer, baseball, hockey, mm-hmm. lacrosse, um, which is r- really, really fun. Um, it creates a little bit of division too. And sometimes the, the athletes on, on one side of the gym, oh, what, what goes on over there? Right, um, right. Because some of, some of the team training athletes um, sometimes go above and beyond and they end up doing some of the personal training on the side too. So it's a fun atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. And have you guys noticed any, like how's the atmosphere been um, since I'm sure you've had to have like less people in the facility, right? Or yeah. have you, do you have the space to be able to do everything? It's um, it, it's tricky how the restrictions work here and how they have worked is we've got different stages to reopening. Okay. And in the early, more protected stages, um, it's, it's, it's typically 10 people. It's a very black and white number. And then as we get into the later stages of reopening, it typically ends to be a percentage. Okay. Which is, uh, which is a lot more reasonable, right? So, um, so we're, I believe we're in 50% capacity right now, but that's, you know, say 50% of your fire code. If, um, you know, fire code is 500 people, if you're allowed 250, that's still probably more than four times as, if not five, six, seven times as much as we'd ever have in here. Um, So in the later stages of reopening, we find that our business side, we can be a lot more successful in the early stages of reopening. Um, you know, having 8,000 square feet and only being permitted to have 10 people inside like that, that can be really tough, especially when, uh, yeah. um, when it's a one-on-one setting too, because um, again, in, in different stages, trainers count, trainers don't. So we, uh, we do our best to, to balance out and, and follow the restrictions and stay close, you know, in touch with, with bylaw and things like that. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's def- definitely a big factor. That's for sure. For sure. Now, how many, uh, how many trainers do you guys have other than yourself? So it's Lee and myself, and then we've got eight personal trainers that work alongside us as well. Okay. So are they, are they contractors or are they, are they employees? Yeah. So all the trainers here, uh, they're contractors. Okay. Um, which is, which is really, really great. But we've got, 
it, it's such a tight knit. Um, everyone likes to use the word family, but we're really, really close. And yeah, it's, it's really, really something special, Elia. I'd say the, the, the energy and I guess the culture that we're trying to create here is that everyone that enters our doors are obviously career oriented, like we said earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But they're also very interesting. We continue to grow in the industry. I think um, that's a mistake that a lot of us make where you almost get to a position where it's like, well, I feel like we've known it all, but I think things are always changing and there's always room to grow. So it's like, we always feel like we're learning something from our trainers. Like maybe they take an interest in a specific mm -hmm. style of training or, you know, just any kind of educational avenue that we then start to be able to learn a little bit more about. So we all have a different component that adds to the greater culture and I guess just greater growth of our business. And then everyone yeah, yeah. as individuals and every trainer gets to grow as well. So um yeah it's it's a really fun atmosphere and it's just fun like we all really love what we do so it makes it it makes it easy to to share that passion with our clients as well yeah that makes sense and so do they are they responsible like for their own clients or do the clients belong to you and how exactly does that work out as far yeah. as delegation yeah no good good question so um the clients, the clients don't necessarily belong to, to the facility nor to the trainer. We try not to get really classified and, and, and clicky with that stuff. Uh -huh. um, the client belongs to wherever they fit best, right? So we're, okay. the client, the clients need to always come first, and whatever the client need that that goes first, hands down every single time. Um, so we, you know, when we bring trainers on. Sometimes they're coming other from other facilities or what we've noticed in our last few hires, um, we've got some independents that have been traveling to homes that are, you know, need to take their clients to the next level and are looking to uh, join a team for education purposes or work with a facility so they have access to equipment that they can share with clients. Yeah. Um, so we've noticed it's a good 50-50 split. I think trainers make a really good effort to um, to, to bring their own clientele and grow their own business. Yet at the same time, we're really fortunate to be um, running such a large vessel mm -hmm. um, where often when, like we said, when people reach out to us uh, via social media, things like that, we're able to then put the trainers in touch with the prospect and, and go from there. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess, and a little better question might be like, who, who do the clients pay? Do they pay you or do they pay the trainers? <laughs> so yeah. when the clients purchase packages they purchase yeah. packages from from blood sweat train okay okay got yeah it. Got and it. then the contractors invoice blood sweat train for their services mm -hmm. and then blood sweat train pays the contractor so that's Perfect. how the that's how everything kind of trickles down okay got it yeah because there now some we talked to they um and the reason i was getting so in depth on that is some people just strictly like their contractors it's like, okay, so you're just renting space, right? So you're, you're responsible for your own people. So that's yeah. why I wanted to differentiate on that. Yeah, um, it's, that's yeah. A, it's, I, we, we actually find that that's a really, really popular business model and business style. And we think that a lot of facilities are starting to go that way, mm -hmm. um, which is great for sometimes shorter term trainers and things like that. Yeah, I think our goal is really to create that, the team, the atmosphere, the culture, and even something yeah. as simple as, just what we've noticed from being in those kinds of facilities sometimes um sometimes just cutting a facility a check and then going all right you know cut my check now i'm on my own yeah kind of creates that division within do, do you get what i'm saying yeah um yeah. so yeah we try to stay away from that a little bit eh? mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's a very good um, that's a very good point you make there. I I personally think that the only way, I mean, I'm sure people make it work. The only way that I would ever want to have a situation like that is if the gym itself like didn't have any staff, right? If it right. was just a, like a straight up studio and it's basically a free for all. But yeah. you're right. Um, because when someone comes in like that and they pay rent, so technically, you know, whatever the agreement is, if they have, you know, access to the facility, um, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, quote unquote, like poaching members, you know, from your, you know, from your members you know, or from your yeah. trainers. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot better set up when, you know, when, when you kind of control all that um, yeah. instead of just letting it be like that. And you're right. It creates division. Uh, I've seen some pretty fierce <laughs> rivalries, you know, kind of like, wars, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, it's, it's better to not have that. So I think you're, you're on the right track there. Yeah. Well, like I said, Lee, Lee and I've been really, really fortunate to uh, work in a number of different fitness facilities and fitness atmospheres and, um, you know, and, and travel and, and spend time in different countries and even spend time in, in fitness facilities there. And um, I think that was, you know, Lee and I are big on lifelong learner. I think we're lifelong learners. And I think doing that and spending the time there, let us know, okay, hey, what are things that we really like? What are the, what are the goods? What are the pros? What are things that clients, people, staff, owners, like what really works well for everybody? Because it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be a, a, a team effort. We know that. And then what are things that, okay, you know, these things don't work so well. So we had two big lists to say, hey, these things work. These things don't. How can we make sure that we create a facility that really only focuses on that positive list? That's yeah. kind of what we tried to do. Yeah, that's a great point too, especially, you know, when, whenever you can, you know, do your, I mean, just like a pros and cons basically is what it is, you know, between the two facilities, you can, you can make something pretty good right out of the gate. And then I love the fact that you guys are still open to, to learning, you know, new ideas. I mean, especially right now, like if you want to be in business, you have to be that way. Yeah. I mean, other, otherwise you're going to shut your doors. So you're 100%, 100%, that's right. one thing that I see from talking to gym owners, you know, all day, all day, every day, there's so many things out there and it's just, it's cool to hear like, you know, what this person's done to innovate and, you know, they, they might've changed like one simple process, like just the way that they're structuring their, um, their wording or, you know, something as far like on ads or something or they might tweak something in the sales process, you know, little things like small hinges open big doors. And, you know, we get to hear a lot of that daily, you know, talking to people who are, you know, fighting the, fighting the good fight. Yeah. You know, right now. <laughs> yeah. And um, now the last thing, so I know this is going to be kind of a, kind of a tricky question given your situation, but we're running out of time on the podcast. So what I like to end with is like, what does growth look like for you guys? Like in the next year, like realistically, let, let's say where you're at now. Um, I would say growth. Like it's, it's funny. Cause I think both Ruby and I being owners, um, we have, there's like kind of different tiers that we focus on. So I would say on my side, and I guess we need to take our turn kind of answering this. I think in our area, we just want to be known for being able to educate all of our clients as individuals and helping people really see the progress that they want to see. So I work a lot on the side when it comes to like the young athletes 
Um, and, and the ones that, you know, want to make it to the next level, whether it's on our side, being able to go and get a scholarship to play soccer or, foot or football or hockey, whatever it is to get to that next level when it comes to schooling and, you know, division one and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think of, of where growth would come for me is if they feel like they leave this place and if they do end up getting to the next level and it helps them there, that's great. But I think on the other side of things, health and fitness is such a, a important component to your life even beyond that, right? So I think that any client that leaves a facility, they feel like they take something that ends up helping them for the rest of their life, whether they're here or not. That's my, my biggest goal for us. I want to be known for just educating and helping people, you know, as, as basic as that is and whatever that ends up looking like, that's kind of, that would be growth to me to be known as a business that can do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ruben, what about you? Yeah, no, I mean, Lee and I are a rock solid team. I think those are really, really great points. Like I said, I think within the business, we would love to see the business grow. Obviously yeah. every owner wants to see that every owner wants to see their different revenue streams double and triple and so on and so forth. Yeah. I think even more so the goal, not just within the business, but I think the goal within the industry is to continue to make a name for ourselves, but continue to make a gym for, we'll call it the small guys, um, continue to make a name for those, those, those private facilities. I think they're, I think they're the underdogs. And if, I think if we can get through this fight, I don't think the small boutique, the small private studios are going to be the underdogs for much longer. I think people are starting to go, Hey, you know, there's, there's, there's some noise. I, I hear something coming from that corner over there. And I think mm -hmm. that's us banging on the door. And I yeah. think that's all of us small guys. And I want to, I want to continue pushing the envelope and showing people that there's a side to fitness. There's a side to training and there's a side to taking care of their bodies that not everyone's seen yet. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see us do that. Yeah. And, and I love that, uh, especially talking about the underdog situation, you know, and, and I think you're right. Like a lot of the like a lot of the, the boutique gyms, you know, small, like personal training gyms, you know, they've, they've got the eye of, you know, the big guys in the industry, right. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Lord of the ring, you know, Lord of the rings, like Sauron's eye, you know, That's like right. we got their attention. And so then it comes down to the, you know, to it. And it's like, okay. So I have a theory, like everyone roots for the underdogs and until you're not the underdog anymore. <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? And then it's on. So, I think it's really important to be equipped by the time you get to that level, right? Like with all the systems in place. And like you said, Ruben, with different revenue streams, you know, just to make sure your business is bulletproof. So yeah. that was def absolutely. And um, guys, well, I appreciated you being on the podcast today. Uh, we hey, definitely Ryan, got some good so content. For the, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it, it's always good to hear a different perspective. So uh, thank you for that. And for our listeners out there, if you got uh, content from this podcast um, and you liked it, uh, just hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're a gym owner and you want to be a guest in the podcast, click the link in the description, um, apply to be a guest. Until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money, Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. 
click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, Jordan Gunther, owner of On Target Training PDX in Portland, Oregon. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Dom. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on, sir. Let's get right down to, to business. Tell us about our on-target training PDX. <laughs> yeah, um, so I teach boxing and kickboxing here in Portland, Oregon, and uh, I teach it for fitness, fighting, and self-defense. Uh, I get to work with some really high-level professional fighters, uh, all the way up to like Bellator, King of the Cage, things like that, professional boxers on local shows, but majority of uh my members and my clients are just everyday people wanting to get fit you know de-stress and uh learn a little bit of self-defense perfect perfect so you have sort of a unique setup you operate in a very large facility mm -hmm. you serve as an on-staff trainer um, for for the clientele of that business but you also were presented with this opportunity uh, however the however it all came together to operate your own business inside theirs that you can run as you see fit, correct? Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the deal that we worked out. All right. And how long have you been at that in this this iteration of the way that you're doing it? Um, it's been right about a year, maybe a little less. I think it'll be one year in April. Okay. So you were you previously just serving as a coach for them? before this came to be, or you did you have a business you were operating elsewhere? How did this all come together? So I, uh, I mean, my origin story is, you know, I'm sure like a lot of, a lot of trainers where I was working like a, you know, what I still call a real job because like my day to day is so great. It doesn't feel like a real job. I mean, it's, it's hard for sure. Like all these gym owners listening know, like, man, it is work, but beats the hell out of flipping eggs for brunch every Sunday. So, uh, which is what I was doing prior to this. And then I was training as a boxer under a, uh, a two-time world champion here in Portland named Molly McConnell. And uh, I was getting a little bit older, getting a little banged up. And so I kind of transitioned into coaching. And one day Molly kind of offered me just almost, uh, not flippantly, but just as an, like, hey, if you ever want to, you can maybe do some one-on-ones. And so my original business model was just that I was uh, teaching one-on-ones and, you know, it took off. It did pretty well. And so as I was, uh, I was working as a caterer at the time and, you know, that week to week scheduling was just tough. It was hard to figure out like, how can I book consistency with my clients? How can I get more people in when I don't know what my availability is going to be two weeks from now? But I was making some headway. I was building a name for myself. And so uh, I remember there was a snowstorm here in Portland and we didn't have any events scheduled for like two weeks and the new schedule just got posted. And I looked at it, saw I didn't have anything for two weeks. I looked at my boss and it just kind of hit me like this is my time. And so I put in my two weeks notice. I finished my shift and I never went back. And I opened up my books and told all my clients to tell their friends and, you know, tell whoever, like, let's try to make this a real thing. And so within a couple months of that, I had doubled my income just slinging one-on-ones and that became my full-time job. 
And I did that for years, uh, three or three years, I think, four years, something like that. And uh, I was working with a lot of uh, MMA fighters at the time. And so this uh, big MMA gym in town um, asked if I wanted to come teach some classes for them. So I did that. And uh, while I was still at the boxing gym at the, as the assistant head coach and running my own, you know, my own little business out of there and uh, things were going well. So the MMA gym uh, wanted to expand and open their own kind of boxing and kickboxing side of the gym. So the deal that we worked out was uh, they're going to do the build out. I'm going to buy the equipment and then that will be my little piece of the kingdom to run. So I've been doing that for about a year now, getting uh, independent signups for my program, uh, still doing one-on-ones, although I'm really trying to get away from it. Uh, I've hired a couple of trainers who I'm generally kicking those one-on-ones down to, uh, you know, with an 80-20 split, and then they're teaching some classes for me as well. So I can kind of try to transition to a little bit more of that managerial role and not spend all my time on the day-to-day. Got it. Sounds like it's been a wild ride so far, but you're for being in it in this particular incarnation for a pretty short period of time, it sounds like you're already looking towards how can it be scalable? How can it be yeah. manageable in a way that doesn't require you to be the only person that's, that's trading time for dollars? Yeah, that's it. Um, I always said before that, uh, you know, my business was like a jetpack, man. I mean, I'm a sole proprietor LLC and I, you know, whatever I made, I kept outside of a percentage that I gave to the gym. I kept my monthly overhead low and, uh, but there's no room on a jetpack for anybody else and where you can go and what you can do with it is like, it's just, you know, it's only, it's limited. So, you know, I'm, I didn't want a Boeing 747. You know, I have friends in the industry who have these giant mega gyms, you know, and their overhead is $20,000 a month. And, you know, they have 14, 1500 members, but like that looks so stressful for me that like, I just, I don't want that, you know, I, and I've been in gyms for almost 20 years working and training different martial arts. And, you know, it wasn't until a little bit more recently that I saw guys doing it in a way that seemed like, oh, I might actually want that. You know, maybe I don't need a Boeing, but like maybe a little Cessna, you know, give me a little two-seater, just like a small gym and that little bit more freedom. I'll bring a couple people up and along with me. And so, you know, I'm kind of coming around to that idea a little bit more and more. Okay. So let's talk in, in as far as black and white, especially mm-hmm. for, the, for the benefit of our audience so that we know what we're talking about here. In your current, in your piece of the business, the part that you manage, the the clients that are your own, not the coaching you do uh, for the for the overarching entity, how many clients roughly are you managing on your roster currently between yourself and the other other trainers? Man, for one on ones, I think I think we're sitting at about thirty to thirty five. I think. Um, with the lion's share of those being I probably closer to, I got the three guys, probably closer to 50 different one-on-one clients mm-hmm. with maybe half to 30 of those being just mine. Okay. And are you in, in on target, are you mm-hmm. running group stuff also, or just one-on-ones for the on target clients? 
so on target training is primarily uh, one on ones and small group uh, training. You know, when we do semi privates, at least right now, the way that we run semi privates is it's people who already know each other booking together rather than just having like, hey, you know, semi-private from 12 to one, I got four slots available, who's gonna book? So um, although we are looking to transition to a model, something like that, it's just a matter of having the time to put everything into place. Okay, so what does the Cessna look like for you? You have you right now and mm -hmm. three, three trainers that work under you, correct? Yeah. So. What does it look like for you, you know, ideally, would it be a hundred total clients? Would it be 150? I know that we don't want to go 1500, but yeah. what is the, what does the number look like? Number of trainers, number of clients that, that you think would serve you best and allow you to serve them best back? You know, um, one-on-ones for me right now are a great way to make sure my trainers are staying fed. And then, you know, we kind of have a deal worked out on that 80, 20 split where, you know, they keep 80% of what they get. And then um, it's on, it's really on my trainers to get some blood on their fangs, to get out there, to promote themselves, to make their own sales. But as emails come in, as people talk to me, as my own funnel kind of generates these leads, I'm just passing them right off to these guys. So you know, I want, I want my trainers to have as many one-on-ones as they want, which is different for all of them. You know, I worked like a maniac for years, you know, 10, 12 hour days, just one-on-ones back to back to back. Um, and I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, but not everybody has that same motor. Most people have a much healthier work-life balance than I did back then. And I commend them for that. So, you know, the big focus I'm working on now is just getting signups for classes, you know, because that's going to be much more scalable for me. Um, and so I'm looking at, you know, 100 members is the goal that I'm aiming for right now. You know, and we're steadily climbing that way. But I would say 100 members for classes and then selfishly, you know, enough one-on-ones for my trainers that when it comes when it comes time for me to cut them a check for the month you know well if i owe them 300 bucks for you know the classes that they taught but their 20 percent ends up to be about 300 bucks like perfect right you keep your money i'm not going to pay you you're not going to pay me and like we're just working for trade so you know as a business owner like that's the part that i'm looking for it's just just enough that my trainers are happy well fed taken care of, you know, and then that's about it. Yeah. And in, in a, that's going to vary, you know, for our listener base in a place like Portland, my understanding of it anyway, at least is cost of living can be a little higher than some parts yeah. of the country. So, you know, what may be uh, a trainer in the, I don't know, I'm just going to make something up. If you're in central Iowa, don't be offended. I I'm just going generic here. If you're in central Iowa, you could maybe do six one-on-one -on -one sessions a day at 50 bucks and be fine. But mm -hmm. that's going to be a little bit different in Portland. So if somebody wants it to be their sole gig, they might need to still work that seven, eight session a day yeah. to, to be there just based on cost of living. It's not necessarily what your split is. I and mean, that's a very healthy, generous split. And then figure out you know, what their hourly needs to be. So there is a, a little bit of a discrepancy there as far as, or variation across the country, mm -hmm. but just something to keep in mind for the listeners. So you, 
you have that and looking for that. Nobody, nobody writes each other a check relationship. It's just clients writing checks to, to you or to the trainers. Um, however, that gets managed. Um, so with this goal of growth, I know you said that you have some, you have a personal funnel, you have a, a way that you're attracting people. What does that look like for you? How are you getting people into, uh, into your hands so you can hand them off to the trainers or put them into classes? So I do, um, you know, Instagram has been a big uh, lead generator for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Facebook a little bit less. And for my own, just like mental well-being, I do very little time on Facebook and I honestly don't do enough on Instagram. You know, Facebook is by design. Um, Instagram is just one of those things. Like I just, social media kills me, man. I'm 37 years old. I kind of miss that boat as far, as far as my generation goes, like with it being like the real big thing to do. So I always say that like doing social media is like the least favorite part of my job, which tells you how great my job is. But <laughs> You know, I've had good luck running ads on uh, both of those, you know, targeted ads for the people that I'm after. Um, And to your point about the cost of living in Portland being so high, um, you know, I mean, I've been in the city for, you know, off and on for almost 20 years. And I absolutely love my city, man. I got so much civic pride. And so when we kind of shifted and went from this kind of small scrappy blue collar town to this big tech giant with all this money coming in rather than get bitter about old Portland being better and yada, yada. I just, you know, I rode the wave and I, you know, I'm charging 65 bucks an hour for boutique boxing lessons, which I couldn't have done a decade ago. I couldn't have done 20 years ago. So as the cost of living went up, it, you know, gave me and my trainers an opportunity to, look for those high end clients. And so, uh, you know, that's been the big boon for us is really marketing towards, you know, high end clients, people with money, people with cash, um, rather than trying to, you know, get everybody in at 20 bucks, you know, well, you know, we start at 65. And so, you know, designing the funnel in a way, you know, on my website, I've got a very clean, clear, professional-looking website. It's got info grabs on it right away. Um, you know, I've put time into marketing on it, but just the actual website itself looks very professional. It looks very upscale, and so it naturally attracts the professional upscale clients. So yeah, it's um. So to answer your question though, because I love to ramble. Um, no, it's know, fine. I'm I'm taking it all in, man. So, so targeted ads on Instagram and Facebook have been really helpful. Um, uh, info grabs on the website, like a nice professional Cadillac looking website. And then, you know, most recently it's been really helpful for me is I don't do free trials anymore. I charge people to come check out the gym and try some classes and that implied value not only has weeded out a bunch of, you know, out of, it's kicked people out of the funnel who would have come and wasted my time, but it's really helped me focus on people who are actually going to follow through and be dedicated and have a little skin in the game. Got it. So, and I did check out your website and I do agree. There's a lot, a lot going on there a lot. It's easy for somebody to figure out what they want to do. And once they find themselves there, there shouldn't be any shortage of information or availability to contact you. Something you went into that a lot of a lot of trainers and gym owners 
you know, different fitness pros are still either snake bitten by or afraid of right now are targeted, you know, paid ads on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I've seen people that have spent a lot of money and got nothing. I've seen people who just don't know how to get started. Uh, for you being self-proclaimed, not, not a social media aficionado, how did you figure out how to take the leap and make that productive for you? Um, you know, again, it's about, you know, showing up and being and looking more professional than a lot of the times I feel, you know, I, that imposter syndrome is real, you know, and I've been on TV in the corner of a guy who's fighting for $30,000 and I kept expecting, you know, the men in black suits to come and take me away and put me back in the kitchen to, you know, flipping eggs again. So, you know, I have to look past my own imposter syndrome and just really put on that professional front. So I have photos that were taken by a professional photographer named Patty Watson, who is phenomenal. Um, if you happen to see her name at the bottom of my uh, Zoom cam here, that's because that's my wife. But, um, you know, I would Very use her. Yeah, it's super convenient. Helps make it a little bit more affordable. But um, Patty is a phenomenally talented um, photographer. Um, and so I use the photos that she captures. Um, I've spent some time with a, uh, a man named Lonnie Beck who runs Dragon Gym uh, Dojo out of uh, Philadelphia, who's a good friend of mine who has his own little mini gym empire. Um, he's helped me with some business stuff, including uh, learning to write copy. And so I try to make sure that, you know, I pair a great looking photo with sales copy that is effective but still true to my voice you know i don't want it to be cheesy i don't want it to come off as inauthentic because when these people come in and meet me i don't want them to feel like they got you know bait and switched i don't want them to feel like they got snookered or that it's just some generic like you know 30-day challenge or six week or whatever like and i mean and no disrespect to people who have done that because i do have friends in the industry who um have had a lot of success with those kind of boot camps and, and transformations and yada yada but for me i try to toe that line between like authenticity and productive effective sales copy and so that's a bit, and so I've had to learn to, you know, as, as we all do as gym owners, we have to learn how to do a lot of this stuff ourselves, you know, and I can put somebody through an intro boxing lesson, um, you know, standing on my head, like I, I have my routine down, you know, and I've, I've got like a 92% uh, conversion rate. If somebody comes in and takes a free 45 minute consultation with me, 92% of the time, if they know my rates prior to stepping foot in the gym, I will finish, I will close and they will sign up for lessons. So when I went into trying to learn how to do all this other business side of my business, I knew that if I just worked hard, if I learned, if I studied and if I tried and trained, I could be just as good at writing sales copy as I am about doing a one-on-one -on -one with somebody. So it's really been about surrounding myself with people who know more than me learning from them and then applying it myself which as a martial artist that's how we learn our sports that's exactly what i've done as an mma fighter as a boxer as a kickboxer you know you find somebody who knows more than you your own coach you take what they show you and you practice it until you can do it you know backwards with your eyes closed
Got it. So you really just, I, I love how you, you know, you even brought out the numbers, you know, that your conversion rate being 92%, you know, having, having data is so important when you're doing things like this, that it's, it's a little more objective than maybe training could be. Like you said, you mm -hmm. tackled it the same way you're training, you know, that you're getting better, you know, some, some different, um, you know, combat sports and training may have ways to measure your progress. But when you're taking on the business aspect, putting money into, you know, the Facebook, Instagram machine, if you can track those metrics, you can see if you're doing better, you may think you write a fire piece of ad copy and all of a sudden your click rate goes in the mm -hmm. toilet and you're like, okay, well, objectively that didn't work as well as I thought it did. So let's refine it. And it sounds like you're, you're approaching it scientifically as you learn and increase those skills. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's it, man. It's all I've never been a good, I've never been that great at school. You know, I tell people I'm a proud college dropout. I did one term and kind of realized that it wasn't really for me, but I do like, I do like numbers, you know, and, and back to that, that martial arts comparison, you know, martial is systematic, you know, and everybody does things the same. And then art is the exact opposite, you know? So we, we talk about how martial is kind of the how, and then the art is the application. So I think a lot of the stuff um, when it comes to business and writing ads and sales copy and which photos you choose and what, you know, what is your voice when you're online? Um, that's a little bit more of that art, you know, that's kind of the application, you know, stuff that might work for other trainers. It might not work for me, but you know, the principles are all going to be the same. Like you need a call to action, you know, is that call to action going to involve you know, swearing or not. Like I know, I know famous, great coaches who, you know, call their, their members, call their fighters effing dorks online, you know, to hundreds of thousands of people, but because, you know, well, that's coach K like that's a sign of affection. You know, I look forward to visiting his gym and having him slap me upside the head because like for his voice, that is like the highest compliment you can get, you know? So you have to figure out like, what's going to work for you, but it has to live within the realm of what's going to work, period. Got it. So you really have focused and honed in on your message being authentic, true to what somebody can expect when they come in and meet you face to face. So let's talk about that. You have your different funnels, whether it's ads, whether it's organic, it's social media, the website, where people will inevitably book a consultation with you. What does that process look like and how does it lead to an actual a transaction, a sale, a sign up? So, you know, I'll talk about kind of my class structure because that's where I've really been putting the effort. So like, let's just say, you know, Dom, you shoot me a, uh, you know, a message on, um, you know, you check my website, you know, or so you're going to Google boxing near me. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're within the area, that's some of the SEO that I've put on my website. So hopefully it comes up, you know, and or being at top first page would be great. But, you know, you scroll around, you look, you see, and I've got 40 odd five star reviews that all have like most of them have actual paragraphs written by clients of mine over the last couple of years, you know, and I've encourage my clients to leave me those reviews and because like 
and again, it, another, I'll, I'll try to stay on, on track here a little bit, but just to talk about like one-on-ones as a boxing trainer are far more intimate than they are necessarily as um, a lifting trainer um, because just the nature of hitting mitts with somebody, which is 90% of what I do with my clients. They have my mitts on, they have their gloves on and we, we work, we move, but there's eye contact there there's chat there's movement you know but it's an interpersonal experience so i have got great relationships with all of my clients and i keep i keep many of them for years and so when i bust out the qr code and say hey scan this with your phone it pulls up my google review page hey just do you want to leave me a five star do you want to write a little bit about it it's really going to help me people tend to go on a little bit more they'll gush a little bit more so you know, getting back to you, Dom, looking for a boxing trainer near you. Um, even if I'm not at the very top, like if you're going to do a little bit of research, you're going to see I've got this great professional looking website. I've got all these five star reviews that aren't just like the one pair, one sentence of, you know, great facility, great gym, nice guy, but it's actual people writing how they feel. Um, that's been a great law, uh, lead generator for me. So you click the website. Um, again, professional, clean, and then there's that info grab right there that just says, you know, your name, your phone number, your email, like, and then like, what are your fitness goals? And so let's just say you fill that out, um, you click send, I get an email, and um, as it pops up on my phone, you know, my wife, my friends, anybody around me will tell, tell you that whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, when that thing goes off, I stop what I'm doing. I pull up the email, I take a look, I grab your uh, your number off it, and I text you immediately. Hey, Dom, this is Coach Jordan from On Target Training PDX. Looks like you're interested in doing some kickboxing for self-defense. I would love to have you in. The confidence that you're going to get from these classes, along with the physical side of things, is you know a great mix or something. It's a custom message every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that custom message, I'll spell something wrong. Um, and then press send and then immediately send again with an asterisk spell the word right little face palm emoji because i want you to know that i'm not a robot this isn't a because i got back to you in like a minute 30 seconds you know so i know that you've never felt so strongly about learning to kickbox that than you have in this moment right now you press send because you are going to do it an hour from now maybe not you know maybe you're going to be a rock climber instead you know maybe or maybe you find another gym or whatever. So I want to strike while that iron's hot. I send you that message right away, you know, um, along with that call to action. Hey, you know, if you're interested, I, and then I give them a breakdown of my three classes, a half hour private gloves and a wrap deal, 20 bucks. You know, what do you say? When can we get you scheduled? Or how does Monday sound? You know, trying to ask a leading question, you know, that's going to hopefully, you know, I, I don't want to just say like, hey, you know, is next week any good for you? Because that gives you a chance. There's an off ramp. Nah, next week's no good. You know, hey, do you want to come in Wednesday or Friday? And, you know, trying to go from there while still towing that line of like not being pushy, not being like a hard, I'm not a hard sales guy. I try to keep everything a little bit softer, you know, because what they're stepping in to do is already kind of intimidating, you know, but I try to start that conversation right away. 
get them scheduled for that one-on-one and then it's nurturing that lead all the way through you know so you love it you sign up for wednesday great looking forward to seeing you wednesday morning i'm texting you. hey dom looking forward to having you come on in tonight you know i'll see you at five o'clock let me know if you have any questions you come in we do our half hour one-on-one where i teach you the basics you take your first class afterwards i'm talking to you dom you did great um now it looks like you know and so when you come in we're going to schedule your three classes you know so we're going to do let's do wednesday thursday saturday that'll give you an extra day to recover so before and after each class we're making contact you know and then saturday it's hey dom looking forward to having you in class this morning if you can let's uh show up a little bit early so we can talk about getting you signed up or it's it or let's save some time at the end and we'll walk you through the sign up process and then you know at that point you know they're a uh, they've signed up, they're a full-fledged member, and there's no extra marketing, there's no bait and switch, there's no, hey, you get a free month, but it comes off at the end of your 24-week contract, or, you know, we'll discount it when you re-up, or any of that kind of, like, stuff that I, I know, like, when I was looking for gyms, I kind of got snookered a little bit by stuff that felt a little bit less than honest, you know, and again, I'm not disparaging anybody who uses contracts or, you know, offering a 30 day free thing to get people to come in, but then it's not really 30 days free unless you sign up or whatever. Like that stuff works for people. Um, It's just not the route that I want to go with my, with my members, you know? Got it. So in the sense of things that we talk about here, um, client journey, functions of business, you know, you have your lead generation pretty solidly in hand as far as this is my messaging, this is how I deliver it, this is how I want to identify. Then your lead nurture is that immediate text message, right? We always say speed is king and continuing on with the personalization, how you get them to show up. And I feel like with the amount of attention you give that not a lot of people are dropping off in that funnel from the time you, once you connect with them right away. And then that makes your sales process really just you demonstrating your expertise, demonstrating the feeling they're going to get. And as you said, you're, you know, 92%, you know, closing rate um, on once they come in. So you have those aspects. So uh, once they come in, you've been at this in this incarnation again for about a year. Are you tracking length of engagement or how long clients are staying or uh, percentage of client churn? Any of those metrics that you can look at to see like, all right, I've got them and I'm doing a great job. Mm-hmm. What am I doing to keep them? So I'm, I'm still kind of getting like all of my systems in place, uh, especially for running classes, because, you know, I spent. I mean, I've been running classes and getting, you know, members like that to come in for, you know, I think it'll be a year in April, but um, a lot of that time I was spent kind of just spinning my wheels and trying to figure out like, how do I get, you know, I've got 19 people signed up just for my classes. How do I get to hundred? What do I need to do? And so finding that, you know, that mentorship has been key. And so I'm, I'm up at, you know, 36 members right now, let's say, um, I think it might be a little bit more, but that's just within the last, I think I've nearly doubled my members in about the last month by getting these systems in place, you know, so having that spreadsheet where when I enter you into my sales funnel, you also go on my spreadsheet, you know, 
green for people who have uh, signed up, yellow for people who are, who are in the funnel process, red for people who I reach out to, they don't get back to me, or, uh, well, hey, coach, I just, you know, I just moved, I don't have money, maybe in a couple of weeks, or I busted my foot on my bike, whatever it is, you know, I've still got your information, you're still going to hear from me again, you know, in uh, three months from now, two months from now, it takes eight weeks to heal a broken foot, buddy, I'm going to, I'm going to, message you again in six weeks about getting you in so i've got my system in place to kind of track like my, my my leads and then i'm still trying to figure out how systematically each month i need to sit down with my books and figure out who's still there who's gone where did they go um, which is kind of the downside of being um, a subcontractor is i don't get the opportunity to use like the software that i'd want to use you know something like uh uh you know, I can't think of any of them off the top of my head that a lot of people use, like uh, to like a CRM, like MindBody or Zen yes. Planner. Or yeah, MindBody, Zen Planner, Champions Way, things like that would be really helpful. But instead, I kind of have to do a lot of the stuff manually. You know, so each month I have to check and see, all right, what's my number at? Who did I lose? Where did they go? Did they talk to me first? And again, the nice thing about having a, you know, having a Cessna instead of a Boeing is like. You know, I had a boxer call me today, coach, I wrecked on my motorcycle, I broke my right hand, I don't think I can keep training, you know, if, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm at a mega gym, um, I'm probably not getting that call. If I've got 2000 members, I don't know if they're going to bother giving me that call. So I can, you know, but I talked to the kid, Hey man, boxing isn't what you do with your hands. Boxing is what you do with your feet, your shoulders, your hips, your head. You're going to continue training with us, man. We'll heal that busted hand in six weeks and you're going to be better with your other one. So most of the time, if I lose somebody, I'm going to hear from them first. I just need to get the system in place to kind of track where are they going? Am I seeing a bunch of people dropping off at six months? Because, you know, you can tell me, uh, you know, I got injured or I'm moving or my job, you know, fired me or whatever. Everybody's going to have a creative excuse. But if I'm getting a bunch of creative excuses at exactly three months, six months, then I need to look at my program and figure out what am I not providing past that six month point that's causing people to move on to something else. Gotcha. Gotcha. So again, it comes down to a lot of that personalized attention, the, well, you see the, the Cessna and not the, the 747 and knowing, knowing where those touch points are going to be and knowing what somebody's, um, I don't want to call it an excuse because sometimes it's a valid reason. Oh, for sure. Sometimes it's a reason that, that we as, as uh, clients or athletes or people being trained believe is valid because we may, you know, have something in our head, some sort of limiting belief or, or we don't have the expertise to know, uh, or, you know, that maybe my trainer could help me get around this. Like you said, mm -hmm. someone breaks their hand. They think I can't box where you come in you're not just saying, oh, hey, man, um, you haven't been to the gym in a while. Come work out or whatever. You're really looking at whatever the root is and trying to attack it there to keep them as consistent as you can. Uh, yeah, that's it. You know, I try and remove off ramps. You know, I want to keep them in for as absolutely long as possible. You know, one, because it's good for people and two, because it's good for me. All right. So we're, we're doing that. Um, I don't think we've along the client journey, probably not left a stone unturned. Well, there are always a million places we can dig in, but 
Um, for what you can provide or want to provide for your clients, the last thing that we always see is uh, trainers or business owners will start getting into ancillary services, nutrition, supplements, apparel, online training. Is that anything that you have or think you will entertain? Um, I've got a, I mean, I, you know, I have some apparel. Um, I don't really push it. You know, it's just t-shirts for sale at the gym. You know, when I print out a new batch, I advertise online. I'll usually move, you know, 10 or 12, just mailing them to friends across the country. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not online training for what I do. Um, it's a little tough. And again, I, I don't want to, you know, talk trash on anybody who's teaching boxing online. God bless them. You and your camera and your client and their camera get after it. But for me, it doesn't feel authentic, especially for the rates that I want to charge. So I'm not doing much online. What I am doing actually, uh, I have a program that teaches personal trainers how to hold mitts for their clients, guys who want to, um, you know, I mean, fitness boxing is huge right now. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And again, I mean, I bought a house holding pads, you know, I bought a house with, with people wanting to get fit and lose weight. And I, I'm not a licensed certified personal trainer. I, I don't have my NASM certs. I don't have any of that stuff, but fitness clients and I bought a house. So, and that's just with me hustling mitts, moving, you know, moving around, showing them a little bit of how to box and people who are never going to step into the ring. So I did um, come up with a online video series that teaches your everyday personal trainers how to hold mitts better. Because uh, I do see a lot of guys wanting to use mitts um, and a little bit of boxing with their clients at big box gyms at places like outside of that specialty boutique world and God bless them, man. They're terrible at it. You know, they look like me trying to teach you how to use a kettlebell, you know, or me trying to teach you how to do a muscle up, you know, like, so I wanted to help personal trainers, um, you know, learn how to hold pads better, make more money for themselves, offer something that makes them stand out from their own, uh, you know, their coworkers. And so I have an online video series that, uh, that does that. But that's really my only foray into the online world. For the most part, man, I kind of, I stay in my lane. You know, I don't, I can get you ready for a fight when it comes to nutrition, but I can't tell you how to eat normal every day because I don't know how to eat normal every day. I'm a fighter. You know, we binge, we purge, we, you know, I, I would be 155 pounds, get noticed about a fight and I'd be down to 135 pounds in six weeks. And then I would step into the ring, you know, at 145 pounds, 24 hours after I weighed in. And then a week after that, I'm ballooned back up to 160 pounds because I'm a fat kid at heart. So, you know, I really try to stay in my lane and just focus on what I feel like my expertise is. Got it. So humbly, you've done, you've done more than the minimum, but you're not going to be here pretending or telling me that you're the, the be all end all expert, you're really still working through it, trying to increase your skill set, your education. And as you can, you're providing more value to every client as you grow. Yeah, that's, that's it, man. I just want to be the best, you know, boxing and kickboxing instructor I can be while focusing on fitness, fighting and self-defense, you know, and for that, I'm constantly learning, constantly 
um, educating myself, you know, going to seminars, traveling to other gyms, learning from other people in all three of those things, you know, world-class trainers with world champion fighters, but also learning how to make a better cardio kickboxing class, you know, or flying to New York and learning self-defense from, uh, you know, Tony Blauer and the spear system and all these kind of things. So I think continuing education is one of the most important things as trainers we can do, um, not only for our clients, but for ourselves, it helps us keep that fire lit. You know, I come back from, you know, these, these business trips, as I call them, because they technically are, even if it's me and my buddies getting together to learn how to throw elbows better. Um, I get back and I'm fired up. I'm excited to continue doing what I'm already doing. Got it. Got it. So we know what the trajectory is. We know that you're very solidly planted in your foundation of, of how you're going to execute, who, who is going to be on staff, who's going to do it, what their expectations should be. Um, and then from there, we have this plan of growing the group, growing the classes to where you want them to be and, and having this probably trade-off payment system model. Um, what do you think the timeline is? If you, have you given yourself a timeline for when you think that you'll, you'll be in that position, maybe a hundred people in classes and trainers, trainers filled up. Is that something you've looked at? You know, I try not to worry so much about timelines. Um, I'm, you know, one of the mod, one of the mottos of my, you know, my mentor Lonnie is systems, not goals. So I'm just trying to build the system, put it in place, and then, you know, dump some gasoline on the fire and see where we can go. So I know I'm gonna get to 100 members. Um, it'd be nice to see. Uh, we'll see where I'm at this time next year. You know, which I think would be reasonable growth, but um, and manageable for that matter. But really, it's just about, you know, putting the proper systems in place and then letting it grow. You know. I don't want to say organically because I am going to water it and feed it and do everything else. But, you know, that, that, that to me is more important is I, I, you know, how soon can I be tracking, you know, the clients that I do have, uh, how soon can I get that spreadsheet in place where I'm going to see, Oh, Beverly's been coming for six months, seven months, eight months. Oh, where'd she go? You know, um, how soon can I get this next project up and running? How soon can I get those t-shirts out there? How soon can I, you know, widen my funnel and, and refine my process. Awesome. I like that. The systems first approach. Okay. We are just about out of time before I let you go. I have to, I have to spring this question on just about everyone who's not brand new in the industry and you are not that you've been in the game a while. You've learned a lot of things, seen a lot of things. Is there anything that you can pick out uh, that you'd love to be able to go back and tell your younger business self, because I know you've had a few different iterations. Yeah. So if you could tell younger, younger businessman, you something, what do you think it would be? Um, I think it would be to treat the business like a business sooner because I didn't look at myself as a business owner. I looked at myself as a coach and a trainer. And so because of that, I think I, I became the best trainer I could be, but I didn't know, I mean, for all these years of doing all this stuff, I'm only now 
in the last year or so kind of opened myself up to this world of say like a year ago a year and a half ago we would have sat down and I wouldn't have understood 90 percent of the things that we had just now talked about with lead generation and sales funnels and ad copy and and all of these other things that become imperative to growing the business so I think I would have told younger me to slow down and being the best trainer and focus more on being the best business owner and businessman because that's how I'm going to scale it you know if I'm slinging mitts 10 hours a day every day even if I'm charging 500 bucks an hour I'm still trading time for money my body's getting broken down but if I'm working one-on-ones five hours a day and I'm working on learning and educating myself to grow my business five hours a day that's where you know that scalable growth is going to be to the point where I'm going to be able to have all those things that I want which is time and money you know the same thing most of us want free time and free money <laughs> absolutely I'll even take the money if it's not free but yeah as long as I have the time to do something with it because if you if you have a ton of money and hell I've never had a ton of money but I've had a decent <laughs> if, if you don't if you have money though and no time then you're just into buying shit I think yeah and and I just never found any reward in that but no, experiences and freedom and uh, ability to enrich yourself however you want I feel like is, is worth more than money so I like that answer. We'll definitely, we'll rock with that. So last thing before I let you go here today, sir, if people want to find you, your business, your training, your social media, where can they find you? Yeah, you can check me out at uh, ontargettrainingpdx.com. And then that's also my uh, my Instagram handle, my Facebook, all that stuff is all ontargettrainingpdx, um, which actually, you know, it's another thing to go back and tell my younger self. Um, come up with a, a more concise business name. It's kind of a mouthful. I was just playing Mad Libs with a bunch of different words, trying to figure out what sounded good. I like it, but man, it's a pain in the ass trying to find, you know, uh, find me on Instagram with on underscore target underscore training underscore PDX, like something a little bit more concise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've gone down that route myself. So I, I totally understand. And if you try to just abbreviate it, then people will lose that too. So, yep. um, I don't know. I thankfully these days, you know, you're not much younger than me. We don't have to type in URLs and stuff too much anymore. <laughs> we can copy paste and click links. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot, it's a lot easier. So, okay, sir, it is time to let you go. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here with us. It's been a pleasure. Hey Dom, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. You are very welcome. And to everyone out there listening, we appreciate you. We thank you for your time. Uh, spend a little bit of your day with us. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode and every other one. If you'd like to be notified, click the subscribe button. We'll let you know when we drop new episodes. If you want to be on the show, click the link in the description. Someone from the team will get in touch with you ASAP. To everyone out there in Jim Lord's Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. 
The Gym Lords Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches and learn more about their business and business knowledge as a whole. I'm your host, Ryan Carson, and today we're here with Craig. Craig, how's it going, man? Really good, my man. Happy to be talking to you. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming out today. So let's go ahead and kind of jump right into it. So what is the name of your facility and where are you guys located at? Okay, so the name is Lil's Gym, named after my dog at the time, Lily. And I am just outside of Toronto in Ontario, Canada. Okay, gotcha, man. Gotcha, man. Yeah, love love the name um, after naming it after a dog. By the way, so yeah, we know um, that. Do- I mean, just like part of the family, right? Absolutely. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, how long have you been in business? Uh, I opened my first gym with a couple partners in 2012. The partnership broke up after the first year. I opened Lil's in 2013, and we've been rolling since. Okay, awesome, man. So 2013, um, yeah. So I mean, so you guys are so you're like eight years now is kind of kind of where you're at. So uh, have you been in the same location the whole time, or did you guys move locations? We moved a bunch. Um, yeah. I think it was at first it was every two years. This is probably the longest we've been somewhere. It's probably every two years we went for bigger space. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah when, I, when I first opened up, I think we were 800 square feet. It was basically just a place for me to do personal training. Um, yeah. yeah. I ended up with some like relatively big name clients. And then it slowly kind of built from there. And I was like, well, if people want to hang out and train in the place where I train people, I'm going to need a little more space. So we just kept growing that way. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a pretty cool way to put it, right? Like people hanging out in the space where you train people. So it doesn't sound like it was, you know, meant to be like an open gym. That's kind of what it evolved into, right? Completely. I think everything with how the business has evolved has been based on, feedback of the people interested and I don't mean feedback like here's a survey but yeah. feedback based on their actions yeah yeah awesome man so so you guys have grown um into a bigger facility every couple of years so like now like what is the size of your facility right now we're just under five thousand square feet right now okay all right yeah good so you're so you're definitely above industry average like as far as that goes so you're about double industry average so um what um like moving up to that square footage like what's been the difference for you like um how does the business run now versus how it used to run now now it's a really sharp little business originally i did what i assume everybody listening to this who has a gym or has any small business does and that's i do everything all the time yeah. the first year of business it was 6 a.m to 10 p.m six days a week and an eight hour day on sunday and that was the gym wasn't open unless I was there. So I'm there. Yeah. Um, and we've 
we've got all the way now to uh, an electronic key fob system, 24 seven access for members. And it's, it runs so much nicer from my perspective as an owner, because it yeah. just exists. It's doing its thing over here while I'm talking to you. Yeah, exactly, man. That's a good point. So yeah, at my gym, we, we implemented the, the 24 seven system, I think at year three. And that was, that was the difference maker because before, so we were always 24 seven, but I had it staffed and you know what it's like trying to find staff, let alone someone to work third shift no, at a no. gym. So, yeah, but you're, you're right, man. Like that's the big difference maker whenever you get the key fob. And it's like, at first it was kind of weird. Cause you're like, so I, I don't have to be there. Right. Like all the time, like I don't have to sleep at the gym or whatever. And like, that was the thing too. Like there would be times where, I would be here all day. And I'm sure you did this too. Like, you know, you may need, maybe you didn't have your food that day. Like you had to run out and you're like, shit, do I, do I lock up or do I not? What if, you know, all the what ifs kind of go through your head. So it's a difference maker for sure. Massively. The best, the single best decision I've ever made for the gym <laughs> is to keep up. <laughs> yeah. And how long have you had that in place? That's probably been about three years. So you figured that out quicker than I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's been about three years. Yeah. Awesome, man. So, um, all right. So you guys have open gym, um, like roughly how many members would you say you have right now, uh, for the open gym? For the open gym, we're probably running close to a hundred. Okay, cool. Cool, man. Nothing crazy. I think it surprises people when they send me an email to like, Hey, I see your gym's close to my house. How do I sign up? The message they get back is like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You relax for a second. Who are you? What are your goals? Where have you trained? Like I'm, I'm a little bit picky with that, which makes it so much easier to relax on the 24 seven key fob type of access. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right now we're probably close to hundred. Okay. Yeah. I like it, man. And when you do that, it kind of, it kind of flips the script, right? Like you, you find out real quick, who's actually serious about joining the gym and who's not. A hundred percent. Now, do you have, um, do you have like a limit that, that you'll take into the gym? Like, is there, is there a number that you're like, I won't go over this or a number like, Hey, I want to get to this number. I don't have a goal that I'm aiming for in terms of how many people I want. What I care more about is the quality of the people. If yeah. I can find 10 great people, then 10 is the limit. If I can find a hundred great people, I can find a thousand great people. I'd get a bigger gym. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you're, and your, your thing is kind of like mine. Like you want, you don't want just, you know, somebody coming in there that's not serious, right? Like, absolutely not. It ruins everything about the environment. Um, like, I mean, I remember we started a group training program a couple of years ago, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And people are like, hey, like, what kind of contract are you putting in place? I went, personally, I'm not putting one in. Like, if the service isn't good enough, that it makes people come back and it makes them want to stay involved. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want them in there going, hey, Sally, you don't look so pumped about your workout today. What's up? And Sally goes, well, I got to burn three more months here because Craig won't let me out of my contract. Like the, yeah. the atmosphere is key. Yeah, it is. Because then, I mean, and I've had that too. And yeah, we can kind of get, we'll go ahead and move into that group training discussion. You're right. Um, when you, when you impose a really long contract, like a lot of these people, if the service is good, like for the most part, they're not going to leave. Like you do have your people that come in for specific goals and that's all they want. But I have, I've noticed the same thing when people are locked into something and they come to you and they're like, Hey, I want out, but they don't, but then they still come because they're paying for it and they're real pissy and, you know, just kind of shitty about everything. 
like it it's a cancer that goes to the whole group it's so toxic uh-huh. and i'm there's usually times i'm like okay you know what we're done like you have six months left but i'm just going to go ahead and let you go now completely agree it's not worth it for your headache the coach's headache the other members the atmosphere everything yeah like it's, it's not worth whatever the a couple hundred bucks a month for keep it yeah yeah, I mean, because that could turn into more too. I mean, because you know they can start convincing, convincing people otherwise, and and you know how it is. Like when when people get in those groups, you know, eventually it starts to wear on them, and they're like, somebody's either gonna agree with them, or you know, there's they're gonna you know kind of have some beef in there. Yeah, they're can, gonna leave with them, or they're gonna leave because of them. Yeah, but either way, it's not good. Exactly, and this person's already gonna leave, right? So yeah. it's like, yeah, just go, go. Yeah. Now, uh, looking at um, like your your group classes, so um, like how many how many guys or how many people do you have in that program, and what do you uh, what do you do to get people in it? So right now, we're cruising somewhere around fifty members in that program. It was significantly more pre COVID, right? Um, yeah, yeah. We're right now. We've still got a bunch of restrictions and a vaccine passport and all this kind of stuff happening. So we're capping our classes at six people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's six people. We've got 10 squat racks built out in the room we use for the group. Oh, so this cool. is a very small group to be running. Um, so to be honest, right now, I do almost nothing in terms of bringing people into the gym for that. Um, every, every consultation call, for example, I do is almost the exact same. Like we've got open memberships, we've got personal training, we've got group training, and then we've got training directly with me, which I, I can't account as a separate thing. Yeah. And I do the same thing every time when somebody's interested in the gym, they're like, Hey, I think I want to join the gym. I, I think I want to do a group class. I'm like, cool. Maybe a group class is right for you. Maybe it's not. What is your goal? Like, what's your actual situation? And then I prescribe from there. It's no different than if I go to the doctor, I'm like, Hey, you know, I was thinking you could prescribe me this. He goes, maybe I could. Why would I do that though? Like, what is, <laughs> why yeah. don't you tell me how you got to that being the answer? Yeah. Um, and then when I talk to people who are right for the group, I do that. I've got people where I'm listening to them. I'm like, listen, you need to go join a CrossFit gym somewhere. Like that's what you need. I, I can sell you a membership if you want, I guess, but you're going to have to sit on it for at least a week. You have to think about what I told you for a week before you can actually buy that. I'm not selling it to you today. Um, oh, I operate everything on that kind of system. So that still slowly feeds into the group when it makes sense. Yeah. The current restrictions are not our friend. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that I was, uh, I was curious about up there. So how long until those are, are lifted, do you think for you guys, or at least ease back? I don't know. We're on week a hundred and something of two weeks to flatten the curve. So my ability to predict okay, how yeah. long these things will last is it's fading every day. Yeah. So even with the vaccine passports, things are still the same. They're pretty close. Yeah. Um, all the vaccine passports have done here is limit the ability of people who haven't been vaccinated to do things. They're not actually bringing back any type of freedom for the people who are vaccinated. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So the people that are, it's, it's just business as usual for them or business as the new, the new usual. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That that's uh I don't, I don't want to get too much into that, but you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. On that. But so looking at like, okay, so you have six per class. 
Um, as far as PT goes, uh, how many other trainers do you have there other than yourself? I've got three other coaches who do PT in the gym. Mm -hmm. uh, and to be honest, finding good PTs, I'm not sure if you struggle with this. It's the hardest thing in the world. Uh, yeah, dude, it's the same. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. And I sound like an old man because when I started doing PT, I was working at a big box gym and I would average between 47 and 52 hours a week on the floor with clients. Mm -hmm. For anybody who's been a PT, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. Like, if you're doing 50 hours a week of clients, you're doing 70 hours a week in the gym. Um, and I was just, I was dying to build that up. Like, I wanted to build, I didn't just want a paycheck, I wanted to build a reputation. Yeah. Um, and I find it very hard to find people with that attitude now. That is a major struggle for me. It is. And, you know, when, when you do, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's like the unicorn that you find, right? Like, I think that most of the, I mean, and just in my experience, like there's, there's been a few unicorns that have came through over the years, but it seems like other than that, people come in expecting a full book and like, you know, five or 10 leads a day coming in one in training, you know what I mean? And like, they never have to sell anything. They never have to sell themselves. You just supply yeah. Like, I don't know what you think this is, but even when I worked like for big box, like it wasn't that easy. <laughs> no, it's not that easy anywhere. And I, yeah. I think for anybody listening who might be in the earlier stages of this, the absolute best investment you can make as a coach outside of some type of mentorship, like, because the three, the three things I always tell people if they're looking for a coach in anything, you can ask somebody what they've accomplished, who they've coached, who they've been coached by. And you should have answers for all of those as a trainer, but if you're trying to build something for yourself in this industry, there is nothing more valuable than your reputation. Yeah. And when you, you reach a tipping point there where you can end up being the guy who's, I never have to sell anything. I never have to sell myself. I charge what I want. I set my hours the way I want. You can yeah. become that, but nobody can give that to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's all, it's gotta be earned. And, um, you know, like you have to be, like basically, yeah, I, I've told some of my trainers that when when someone comes to you, it should be like like sometimes like there's there's different philosophies for training. Like some people are hard asses, some people are, are buddy buddy. But regardless, they need to they need to come to you and be like, this is the person that's going to get me where I want to go. Like this person is going to get my ass in shape. I may not like the method, I may not agree with it, but it doesn't matter because this is this is the person that's going to take me there. A hundred percent. And it, and that can happen. Like I started years ago with, I'm just a, a kid at a big box gym, slowly building it up. And I mean, four years ago in Ontario, we have a premier, which I assume would be kind of like your version of a governor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Our premier's daughters were driving an hour and 20 minutes, three days a week to come to my gym. Um, a couple of years ago, the world heavyweight champion block in boxing flew to Kitchener to work with me for a week. Nice. Like, and that's, that's from nothing. That's from, I rented a tiny little warehouse eight years ago and started coaching people. Like you can, you can build something where you can write your own ticket. Mm -hmm. but you gotta, you gotta pay in advance. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta front load your payments on reputation to reap the rewards as you go forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, man. And yeah, the reputation is everything. And you know, I've had people that have um, at least one in particular I can think of that we, I mean, in the beginning, we didn't like each other, 
And she told me straight up, she was like, Hey, like, can I be honest? Like, I, and I was like, yeah. And usually when someone says that, you're like, shit, what are they going to say? Right. No, no, it's not going to be good. Yeah. I was like, she's not, she doesn't want it. You know, she's going to lose. She's like, I'm going to buy, like, I'm going to train with you. But I, I really, I just don't, I just don't know that we're, uh, we mesh, you know, like, I don't, I don't know that I really like you. And I was like, well, to be honest, the feeling's kind of mutual. And she's like, well, <laughs> but I know you're going to get me to, you know, my goal is what I want. So I want to do the program. And I was like, okay. Like, and that's what it should be. Like you could, you could hate Alex Hormozzi's mustache. You could decide I hate anyone with a mustache. Yeah. But listen, Alex Hormozzi will sit down with you and talk business for an hour. Yeah. Are you showing up? Yeah. No, there, you could tell me anything about him. Hey, he kicks kittens. He always wears this mustache. He, yeah. I don't know whatever yeah am i showing up to listen to him yes yeah absolutely man yeah and and one thing that you know that he really talks about that you know that kind of made it for me was you know like um hate is a part of success like it's a condition of success and if you don't have any haters like you're not really making an impact like you're not successful you're not standing for anything you know because it, it all comes with it if you have a strong enough position on anything Any. to attract people yeah that will that will repel the opposite people and if you don't have a strong enough position to repel anything you don't have a strong enough position to attract anything like that's that's the deal absolutely man yeah that is that is so true and if more people could would grasp that because you know a lot of people will they get one negative review or, or one person you know one unhappy client you know it's their whole world is shattered and of course we want to make sure like it wasn't, you know, something that we did. And most of the time it's not usually it's, it's that person, like whatever, whatever's going on with them right now, like they, they just need to project it onto someone else. And at the end of the day, everything is not for everybody. Every style yeah. of training, every style of coach, every program, every facility, every, everything, not yeah. everything is for everybody. And that's totally cool. Like the, the thing I think people miss and actually I don't want to get too, too political, um, one thing I was, I've been, I've been saying since Trump originally got elected and this isn't meant to be a pro Trump, anti-Trump, anything like that. Mm -hmm. What I watched him do in his, in his election campaign, like the first one was speak to his base. And I saw him do that without pandering to the people who weren't his supporters and whether somebody likes his message or not, is completely irrelevant to me, but I watched politicians across the spectrum speak to their base and then pander over here and pander over here and not garner the type of deep support that he pulled. Right, right. I know different in business. Listen, don't pander to everybody. If you if you specialize in, in women who wanna get ripped, like if, and you have a personality like this and you coach meal plans like this, and somebody comes in and they go, well, listen, I'm a, a vegan and I wanna be a sumo wrestler and that's what I want. You go, oh, well, I'm sure I can, I can do that. Now forget that. Do your thing and be the best at it. So you get to the point where people come to you like that girl. She's like, listen, I wish there was somebody else I liked better who was as good as you, but there's not. So yeah, exactly. I'm going to sign up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, and, and you have to be willing to accept that. Like maybe not everyone likes you, but maybe they, they want your service still. And that's fine. Like that just shows that you're, you know, you're good at what you do. A hundred percent. Not everybody's supposed to like you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
And if you if you're trying to be liked by everyone, you know, you're I mean, it, it never works out for anybody. Um, and that even goes like I coach a, um, a travel softball team, you know, and you can't be friends with everyone. You know, all the parents aren't always going to like you. The kids aren't always going to like you, you know, but if you're just looking out for people's best interests, you know, that's that's what you're called to do. That's that's your job. That's your your purpose, your meaning. And, you know, no one can fault you for that. Yeah. If, if your goal in business is for everybody to like you, you need to find your parents to get more hugs. You need to maybe talk to a therapist. You maybe need to do something to like yourself better. Your goal should be that everybody within your profession respects you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know if I've seen a doctor that I knew enough or cared enough about to know if I liked them as a person. Yeah. I don't care if the guy who operates on my knee, you know, has the same religion as me. I don't care if he has the same worldview. I don't care if he likes dogs more than cats. I don't care if he's a goldfish. I didn't yeah. know he's a good surgeon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And it, it kind of goes along with some, you know, something similar to that. It's like, you know, let's say that, you know, you have, you know, like you have two paramedics. One guy is, is trying to, you know, he's, he's ego driven. You know, he's, he's really looking for status. But his thing is he wants to have, you know, the number one saves in the department, like month after month. Then you have the other paramedic. And now this guy has shitty bedside manner, right? Like no one really likes the guy. You know, he's not good with patients. Then you have the other guy who is compassionate, caring. You know, he's great to the family, all of this. And basically it comes down to he doesn't save as many lives. You know what I mean? So if, if someone's coming to pick me up, I want the guy that doesn't give a shit about me, but just cares about his numbers and his status, you know, because he's saving more people at the end of the day. You 100%. know, I mean, he's the one that's driven for that. A hundred percent. And you got to know where to land on that spectrum. When I work with professional athletes, I've worked with people who are fighting for one, two, three, four, five million dollars at a time in a fight, which is bananas. The amount of pressure there is crazy. I don't care if they like what we're doing. I do not care about it. There is somebody else on this planet training to beat you unconscious. Yeah. I don't care if you don't feel like this exercise. I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you don't like this diet. Yeah. Like my job is to get these results. And then with a regular, a more regular person, because that's going to be the bulk of your business, mm -hmm. a more regular person, you can almost give them that line. You know, Hey, listen, if, if I was going to give you your results, if I was going to guarantee it for you, this is what I would do from here. It's going to be your decision where you right. fall on that. But even with that, it'll, it'll help them respect you as a professional more than pandering to some craving they have, view they have. Well, I saw on bodybuilding.com, I should do it this. Oh, we could try it that way. No, forget that. Yeah. Forget that. If you want to do that, bodybuilding.com is on your phone. It's on your computer. You go do your thing. Yeah. Like never in a million years am I saying that to my doctor and expecting them to listen to me. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Yeah. I went to WebMD and... They're like, hey, stay off, stay off the internet, stay off Google. Yeah, go yeah. find a real professional. And yeah. if you can do that in your business, the amount of success you'll have, the amount of sales you'll make, the ease with which you'll close new sales yeah. will be massive. Oh, absolutely. So like with, with your, let's say like your PT clients right now, what is the main type of, like what's your demographic basically uh, for you right now? For me personally, I've almost completely taken out the PT aspect of my business and started doing everything online. Oh, cool, cool. So right now, if somebody wants to work with me, they've either got to be a national level competitor or above, or they've got to pay 250 bucks an hour. And 250 bucks an hour is a terrible deal. 
Like nobody should pay that. They should hire me online and get the coaching for way less. Yeah. That's how I've started doing that. But to be honest, after working with a lot of professional athletes, I hated it. It's not fun. It is not fun to work with professional athletes. I want to work with a mom or a dad who's like, Hey, I want to look good at the beach. I want to feel good when I get into bed with my partner and I've got a life. I can diet 80% of the time, but listen, I don't care if I'm 8.1 or 7.9% body fat. I don't care if I can fight 11 rounds or 12. Yeah. That's a way nicer session in my opinion. I always get new coaches. We're like, Hey, you've trained all these pro athletes. You've trained Olympians. You've trained this. Like, how do I do that? I'm like, you, one, you're probably not good enough to do that. Like you're a long way away in terms of skill set to be valuable to these people. And yeah. two, it's not a good time. Yeah. Yeah, man. That is, that is so true. And, and that's the thing, like, I mean, people think that you know, like the reputation, like, like you said, it's the professional athlete thing. It's kind of, you may like, you're not there. Like these people are on another level. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we've had, um, um, some UFC guys coming here, like, uh, you know, uh, Ovince St. Preux. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he lives close to here. So, you know, he was training here for a while and bringing his own trainer and, um, he gets massages here, uh, from our, our massage therapist and, uh, people are like, man, OSP is here. Like, when are you going to start training him? And I'm like, I'm not like, why, why he, he comes to your gym. And I'm like, look, like my specialty like is kind of, kind of same thing. Like dad bods, you know, middle-aged moms is kind of what I'm looking for. Like, there's no way that I would be able to, to give him what he needed. Like, I'm just like, I don't have the expertise in that, in that field. I've not done enough of that. And uh, yeah. And I'm not going to pass him on to you either. Like, you know, he's got, he's got his own guy. But even with that, I, I personally have that expertise. I've worked with. Yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. Monstrous amounts of fighters specifically. It's awful. I've sat at the Miss Olympia. I had a client competing in the Miss Olympia fitness competition. I watched the Miss Olympia and the Arnold Classic, just trying not to throw up. I've been to world title fights where I spent the whole time pacing, pacing back out, like in the arena, just trying not to puke. I'm not enjoying a single minute of it. Like it's, it's not a fun, it's not fun to me. Yeah. 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 I totally get it, man. That's, that's so funny. You mentioned that just like trying not to puke. Cause you're just like, so like, here it goes. Like what's, where do we go from here? Like this? Yeah. Is- yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we're coming towards the end of our time on the podcast. So uh, one thing I like to ask people, um, and this can be, I guess this will be a little, it may not be different for you, but it'll be, um, you know, just because like your restrictions and everything. So let's assume things kind of go back a little bit more to normal, like within the next year. But what does growth look like for you in a year? Financially, in terms of members, in terms of how I would pursue it, what do you mean? Yeah, let's go, let's go in terms of members, like just what you want the gym to look like. Reasonably speaking, I think we could double the group training program and I would do nothing else. That would be the only growth I would push. Okay. So, so everywhere else is pretty cool. Like, um, your online stuff obviously is, it's kind of your own deal, right? Like not, not at the gym. And so, yeah. And your and PT for you in the gym, you know, it's two fifty or nothing basically. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. 
Well, I mean, and that's, I think that's pretty reasonable, right? Like to, to double that because I mean, you guys have been there before. Well, yeah, we've been really close to that before. And to be honest, it's the only thing it's very easy. And I did this for a long time with a gym. It's very easy to get caught up in how much you grow, right? Everything we see online about scaling a business and all this kind of stuff. That is not the same thing at a gym. You aren't scaling a t-shirt business. You aren't scaling an Amazon store. You aren't scaling software. You aren't scaling an information product. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole host of problems that come with that. And if you look at it and go, okay, 10% of my members are a headache, hypothetically. And mine is less than that. So if any of them hear this, I don't want them to feel insulted, but let's say 10% of your members are a headache. Okay. Double your membership. That, that's double the headache. Like Absolutely. It's, yeah. There's that's a lot true, of things that come with that. And I think people really need to look at their business, not how do I make, how do I make more money is a good thing. How do I net more money is a better thing. How do I net more money with less headaches is the best thing. Yes. And the answer okay. could be different for all three of those. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people need to, uh, a lot of people just don't know the, know the difference, right? Like, you know, they think you make more money and you have more money and that that's never, that's not the deal at all. <laughs> so I think the, the more people can look at how much money am I trying to make? What am I trying to make it for? Under what parameters am I trying to make? It? Like, for example, I won't take too much time with this. I put a video on my Instagram today. I've started doing, so I've got three stepkids all in school and every morning now for breakfast, I do their breakfast. I do the breakfast for my partner and I'm running out of time for my own. But it's a priority to me that I'm home for breakfast. It's a priority to me that I, I get in the food I need for my goals. Mm -hmm. So I blend about a pound of chicken a day in water and spinach and drink that while I make everybody's breakfast. It's repulsive. Yeah. But I understand the priorities I've set up in my life to make things fit into it. And yeah. making more money is no different. Could I drop my PT rate to 100 bucks an hour and decide to start filling my schedule like Matt? I could. Would I make more money? Yes. Would I be less happy in my life? Yes. Massively. My, all of my important relationships would suffer. Yeah. I think understanding you're trying to grow, but you're trying to grow within the lifestyle you want to live and with the yeah. parameters that you are willing to accept putting around that is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Craig, man, thank you so much for coming out for the podcast today. Um, I definitely had a good time with you. We got some good value out of this. And um, I, I know that our listeners will as well. Dynamite, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. And for our listeners out there, if you found value from this podcast, please click the subscribe button. And if you're a gym owner and want to be featured on the podcast, click the link in the description. Apply to be a guest. Until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.